Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am your host, Lindsay McCowan, and I am very excited about our guest today. I say that every week, but every week I get even more excited about the next one coming on. Um, because today's episode is all about um, moving from fear to belonging and all around this idea of language and do you believe your words have power and impact. And so we'll be talking about the impact of dehumanizing, degrading and diminishing language in our culture and how we can shift into language that is more amplifying of abundance and kinship, belonging and love. But before we dive in and invite our guest onto the show, as always, let's just take a moment to stop, pause, and breathe. So wherever you are, just take a moment to stop. You can stop by sitting down. You can stop by laying down or standing. And just take a few moments to connect to your breath. And just simply beginning to deepen your breath into full, even rhythms. And what is beautiful about taking deep, full breaths is that we can soothe our nervous system. And we can shift our brain from a reactionary state to a more receptive state. So we start to activate the part of our brain that is responsible for language, responsible for emotional control and reasoning. So take a couple more breaths in and out. Simply by shifting our breath, we can re regulate our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And so with that, let's come back to this moment and to the show and the perfect time to invite Stephanie Chen-Berea into our Women Thriving Unapologetically Sanctuary. So Stephanie is a creator, educator, and entrepreneur. She is the founder of Her Festival, which I have attended, it, attended and it is amazing. And she is the founder of Mela Yoga, an award-winning sacred learning space in the San Francisco Bay Area. She published her first mantra album, Igniting Protection, in 2019, and has also been featured on Thrive Global, Onus Live, Down East Magazine, and the Rangeley Highlander. With over 22 years of formal teaching experience, she is both a practitioner and educator of the science and philosophy of Tantric Hatha Yoga and an initiate of the Sri Vidya tradition, which is a 5,000-year-old living tradition of the Himalayan masters. And she has over 1,000-plus hours of formal training in yoga and meditation. So I am delighted to have Stephanie on the show. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Lindsay. So glad to be with you today. Yes. And so you're, you're tuning in from Rangeley, Maine, correct? Yeah, I'm here in uh, the kind of deep rural forest and mountain region here in northwestern Maine. Uh, this is uh, 
the, the place of my birth, uh, not too far from here, and certainly where I um, learned to be with nature, be in nature, uh, and, and really find my belonging here. So I'm, I'm, it's perfect that I'm here and talking to you from this place. Yeah, and I just recently had the experience of coming to her festival there in Rangeley, Maine. I have to say it is really a very special place. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. You know, this show is all about women thriving unapologetically. So with this topic today around language and um, how do you believe as women in particular are impacted by the language that our society uses, the societal messages of that we see perpetrated or all constantly the messages of fear and competition um, and scarcity. Yeah, it's a, that's a big question. It's a really big question. So we, you know, let's not, let's not mess around. Let's just jump right in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly in, in American society, um, and uh, I would even go so far as to say Western society, um, there, there are these, uh, these, these echoes of messages, these um, ways of uh, being um, a woman that have created what I believe are uh, both separation and um, a kind of fracturing, not only of our relationship with other women, uh, our relationship with other uh, men, our relationship with ourselves, our communities. Um, there are uh, there are a few things for me. I think personally that I've um, seen, experienced in terms of uh, messages of these messages of fear and competition that I know are not unique to me. You know, this in particular is really potent to me in terms of um, the the I need to do to be of value. Um, this kind of this shadow that many of us as women and particularly New England women, I'll just speak for us here in this region, um, that is almost a, a, a leftover Puritan ideal of, um, of needing to work hard all the time in order, order to prove your worth in the world. And if we pair that with a kind of societal inequity of, of gender roles, or even um, we start to look at gender stereotypes, certainly this idea of women as commodities or even us as being property, um, us as being uh, commodities that only have their worth from our, our doing what it is that we accomplish um, in the home or with our roles as mothers, with our roles as partners, with our roles as uh, professionals, um, and potentially even our, our roles as um, uh, house, you know, house managers, um, householders um, within within our society. And I can say that you know, not being from the New, Le New England area, that I feel that, and I'm sure so many other women are feel that need to you know, find the validation through hard work. I think it's also just in our society in general that we have to work hard and burn the candle at both ends, that we have to produce something to prove our worth. But it seems to be even more so with women, um, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear from you, that because 
just the the gender role in general, we have to, if we're going to go out into the workplace now, we have to perform even harder to um, be uh, seen as valuable as our male counterparts. But then we also have to perform a certain role and duties and provide value in our homes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this, and, and certainly um, this, can, there's also this a layer of conditioning of how it is that we compete with one another um, as women for attention and, and love, um, this scarcity mindset that starts to set in, not only because I'm maybe not doing at a level um, or, or I am not um, performing at that level, whatever that level is in whatever role that we want to fill in the blank here. Um, but you know, in any room um, of women, we were just together at her festival, right? Um, the tendency, I would say, our societal tendency as women is to come together and to size each other up. You know, this like, okay, well, she's prettier than me. She's skinnier than me. She's smarter than me. She's more successful than me. She has more um, of, of, you know, whatever it may be, more happiness, more joy, more stability, um, a, a more supportive husband, more supportive family. There's, um, there's a, a kind of ranking, right? Kind yeah. of competitive ranking that we do. Um, and this is really just that echo, I believe anyway, this echo of us feeling as though we are, uh, we, we need to um, reach or uh, perform at an ideal state, right? Whatever that societal ideal state is. And the truth is we're, there's always gonna be someone in the room who's smarter than me, taller than me, skinnier than me, you know, all, all the things um, more beautiful than me, more charismatic than me. There's always going to be that um, if, that's what we're looking for, you know? And, and that's really this kind of like training of our minds, this entrainment and conditioning towards um, the, the, the not enoughness and the mm -hmm. scarcity mindset that just becomes so insidious, I think, in, in, in our own um, view of our, ourselves, our relationship to ourselves. Yes. And, you know, and I'll say this without shaming myself is that when I showed up for her festival, I mean, it was, I did exactly that. I'm looking around, I'm just taking in the room, I'm taking in everyone. And I wanted to be there in community. It was something I really wanted to experience, um, just be surrounded by um, women in community. And yet I could feel myself doing that. And, you know, I practiced this long enough that I could witness myself doing it and trying to feel into, well, where is this coming from? Um, which leads me to the next question. Where do you feel like this, you know, you say it's kind of we've been conditioned to believe this way, but where does it really stem from? Why have we been conditioned this way to believe that we have to be in competition and prove our, our worth? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just speak personally first from my own story. Um, I know that my own journey has been one um, towards uh, towards belonging my entire life. I was born here in the state of Maine um, to uh, a white mother and a Korean father. So 
Uh, I'm biracial and um, the town where I grew up in and the, the community where I, uh, where I was looking to belong in um, was one in which uh, I, I just didn't look like anybody else, right? Um, it was a homogenous white community on the coast of Maine and, um, and the only one I could see, the only ones I could see who I looked like were my brothers and my father, not even my mother I looked like. So there, there was uh, certainly a, an otherness to my existence that showed up from the very beginning. Um, I think over time, I can say that it, it became more internalized. Um, I had an idea that I was different. I had an idea that I didn't somehow belong, um, that people saw me differently, treated me differently. And, and I don't even wanna put a charge like a positive or negative on it right now. It just, I knew I was separate. And, or I believed <laughs> that I was separate based on my uh, reflections, based on my experiences, both in the school systems and, and, and in my community, my larger community. And, um, and this, the, the, the kind of um, othering that, that I experienced, I think really became more um, amplified when I reached adolescence. No big surprise there, right? Like yeah. there's this way in which we in adolescence begin to really look for that sense of belonging um, outside of our families, that, that our, our, our minds and our brains are wired to go um, outside of our immediate households to look for that sense of belonging. We see it in, um, if, any of you have teenagers in your lives, um, adolescents in your lives, you probably have seen this play out where you, or you can think back to middle school where you wanted so desperately to belong. You wanted so desperately to be like someone to fit in. And also you wanted so desperately maybe to be unique, you know, that push pull. And that, belonging for me really became um, uh, uh, more potent in, in those middle and high school years where um, I began to experience quite a bit of verbal and emotional abuse from some of uh, the other girls actually um, in my middle and high school. Um, it became a vicious kind of dehumanizing, degrading, um, I guess it would be called bullying this these days, right? These kinds of bully behaviors. And it really was a, a, a way that I um, began to really retreat still into, in, in, into this kind of internalization of, of not enoughness, this internalization of, oh, if, if they're treating me this way, it must be so. Yeah. It must be so. And so it's interesting because the sense of, you know, wanting to be unique, yet also wanting to belong. And I, sometimes I feel that, that wanting to belong also creates a sense of safety um, in, in that community. And so how can we, you know, as women create, you know, work with the, the tendency to judge others or compare ourselves to other, yet still be in a community where we can actually, you know, 
feel our uniqueness and appreciate our uniqueness, but also feel that connection to our community in a way that's very loving and, and full of that, what you had mentioned um, in the, when you sent me the description that you want to talk about for the show is kinship. Yeah, kinship. Um, you know, as much as we've been talking about the ways in which we, um, as women are, are trained to find the faults, find the differences, um, uh, even shred uh, those who uh, we believe are um, somehow falling short of these societal ideals. And in my experience, that projection outward really is uh, often uh, symptomatic of our own relationship to our own selves, right? Um, and, and beginning to find that seat of observer, that place that you just, you know, let us into at the beginning of the show where we're um, even connecting with breath, but also observing breath, this idea that we are uh, connecting with some of these attributes um, of whether it be one end of the polarity of belonging or the other end of the polarity, which is the uniqueness. Um, that is, uh, I would say both of those um, qualities, hold, holding both of those qualities within yourself is the practice of yoga, right? This idea of holding polarities. Mm -hmm. But finding a sense of belonging in your own being is really, it, it, it's, it's the soil, it's that, it's that fertile ground, it's the foundation from which we don't really remember how to operate. You know, I don't, I'm not familiar or as familiar with what it means to really come from a place of wholeness. When I walk, when I'm in a large group of women, or when I'm in any large group, or when I'm um, beginning to connect with others in my community, if I'm not myself anchored and steeped in my own sense of belonging to myself, my own sense of wholeness, where all aspects of myself are uh, no longer suppressed or uh, held in a place of shadow or shame, then I can truly show up, right? Um, yes. In and of itself makes you unique <laughs> because so many are very us. unique. Yeah. <laughs> because I so love that you say that. Yes, because I'm, what I'm hearing is that, you know, we can be in community, which is a, actually very healing to be in community, but also hold our own uniqueness that we can hold these two different ends of the spectrum when we are comfortable with who we are, like we have come into an understanding of our own wholeness, that we're not split or fractured within our own selves. And that way, when we step into a community, we're not feeling separate because we have actually worked on bringing ourselves back into wholeness and appreciation. Mm -hmm. did, I, did I sum that up well? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how we can come into wholeness um, because this is so important because if we're fractured, you know, within our own selves and then we're out there in the world and just constantly seeing ourselves as separate and judging ourselves and hence judging other people, then it leads to that 
that that languaging, whether we verbalize it or not, whether it's within ourselves or we're actually verbalizing it to other people or upon ourselves, that does not lead to the society that we want to live in. Um, so, and how can we start to change our languaging? And how can we start to do that inner that inner work that can bring us into wholeness? That's another big topic, right? We're not yeah. gonna we're not shying away from the big topics today. So. What we'll do now is we're going to go to our first break of the show, and uh, but don't go anywhere. We're talking with Stephanie G. Perea, and she's amazing, and she, we're talking about uh, language and the power of language um, and how that can create uh, feelings of separation from within ourselves and our communities and how we can start to change that dialogue within and around us so that we can live with more um, in a more loving and um, in a sense of kinship with our fellow human beings. Okay, so we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically and me, your host, Lindsay McCowan. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie G. Berea, and we're talking about the power of language. And so for this second piece, I'd love just to talk about, you know, what is empowering language? What is disempowering language? What does it mean to, like, what is dehumanizing language? Um, so what do you have to say about that, Stephanie? I have my own ideas, but I want to hear from you first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say that there are these uh, more obvious layers, certainly, right, of the, the kind of name calling 
that we can um, both participate in and, and, and witness. There is uh, a kind of, um, uh, I, dare I say, um, a pleasure in, in, in judgment and tearing others down that has, I believe actually has become even more amplified in this age of social media. Well, it's um, almost like a creating community, but a toxic community. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, as, as my, uh, my mentor, um, Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat sometimes says, you can't hate the hatred, you know, mm. You can't hate the hatred because then you're just sowing seeds for more hatred. That is so powerful. Right? We're just continuing to feed that stream. But even more than that, I'd say on a a deeper level, some of this degrading or diminishing or even dehumanizing um, languaging uh, can can come from... um, kind of unexpected places, um, ways in which we might not even be aware that we're engaging in these kinds of um, violent languaging. And, you know, when I, I, I talked a little bit about um, some of the ways in which I internalized this othering um, that I experienced as a, as, as a young child um, growing up clearly non-white in a very white community. And, and for me, you know, from the time I was probably four or five, I have really clear memories, like very clear memories of, of being with my mom at the supermarket and, and, um, and people not only staring at me because my mom is blonde hair, blue eyed, I am not that. I look um, <laughs> much browner uh, and I have very Asian looking eyes and, uh, and the, so I remember being stared at as though no one really knew what to make of me. And the way that uh, they would ask, um, what are you or what is she? Was I'm sure coming from a place of genuine curiosity, right? On the other hand, when you hear that, um, what are you, what are you? And all you really want to say is, I'm just, I'm, I'm a five-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, you know, uh, I'm a human. Um, it, it begins to make you feel as though, and I'll even use the word alien, right? This, you, this, you feel like the alien, you feel like the weirdo in the room. Like what yeah. is going on? Um, why are, why do not, why do people not understand what I am? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, how is it that um, this kind of languaging begins to not only um, begins to separate me from my community, right? Um, but right now, me from humanity, my own humanity, yes. the humanity that I share with all of creation. Um, and this, the dehumanizing behavior, the is, is something I, I believe most of us who live in the world as embodied women um, have experienced before, whether it's objectifying language, right? Or, um, or even more uh, the, the, the potent um, less than uh, narratives that we can receive from strangers and even 
maybe from people who are closest to us, mm -hmm. the, uh, the more um, abusive or violent language that um, many women um, have experienced in their own homes, um, not only in their childhood homes, but um, potentially in, in, in their homes of their choosing as adults, um, with it, whether it be um, in, a, in a more obvious way in an abusive relationship with, um, with a partner um, or, or uh, a parent or a sibling. So, you know, for, for me, cleaning up my language Yes. Is, a, is a project that I have really begun to embark upon. And I think it's um, something that feels more uh, potent to me these days because I uh, have been unwinding these beliefs that I took on about myself, that I am not only that I am less than human, um, but, you know, in, in my own personal story that, also involves a, a, a kind of a history of abusive relationships with men, romantic relationships with men, uh, a kind of um, belief system also just around me um, uh, not only being less than, but uh, me being trouble, you know, these that I'm trouble, that I'm no good, that I'm, um, that I bring men down, that I humiliate them. These are, these are all messages that I, um, again, just continued to internalize and started to hear as my own voice. And I love how you have highlighted, not just in me, because like we said at the very beginning, is that the languaging that, you know, people from your community were using when you were very young, you know, you said it was probably just out of curiosity that they're not intentionally trying to do harm, but it was very harmful. And yet in there on the opposite end, when you get a little bit older, you actually have very powerful abusive languaging coming at you as well. So it starts at a very young age. So it doesn't, it can be, it doesn't have to be this powerful, very violent languaging. It can be very subtle and still have the same impact if you hear it repetitively, because we learn through repetition, right? And we're hearing these messages whether they're subtle or powerful, and we're starting to, to internalize them. And then that internalization creates your own belief systems about yourself. And therefore that creates the separation from your own humanity. It creates the separation from your community and your ability to be actually, to feel the wholeness within you and also the wholeness that you can feel when you are in a loving community. Um, so how, you know, you said you're, you started to clean up your own language. And of course, I'm assuming that has to start with wanting to and being aware. Um, so how can we, how did, can you tell us a little bit more about how we can change the, the use of our language um, from, and be aware what is degrading, what's not degrading, what's loving, what's not loving? Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to that space of observer, observer witness uh, that we've talked about a little bit. This, um, this way of beginning to observe your, your own um, thoughts and language, you know, that before anything comes out of my mouth as language, <laughs> spoken language, before anything gets typed into um, a keyboard, there's a thought there's a thought. 
Um, and from that thought um, becomes more, uh, more uh, it becomes a more tangible expression, right? Um, it manifests out in the world as written word, as spoken word, um, as action, right? So getting back into that realm of thought, which is a more subtle place, um, and it might even be that you begin to notice the kinds of things you say out loud, you know, the, uh, the way that you, or I'll just speak for myself, right? The way that I'll, I'll, I'll make a mistake um, or I'll dare say, look in the mirror, not like what I see. <laughs> and, and, that, and that thought that sometimes actually verbalizes as, ugh, you know, these, you know uh, I look like crap today or <laughs> like, you know, who do you think you are? All of, all of these kinds of echoes of voices, these, um, these, these ways in which um, I create a self-harm on the level of thought to myself or, the, or harm to myself on the level of thought maybe is a better way to think about it. And we might not even recognize that those little, those little things that we say to ourselves internally or even externally, like, you know, oh, I look like, you know, I look horrible today or who do you think you are? or you're just like micro criticizing yourself is, is actually starting to, to wear down your, your ability to be connected to wholeness, your ability to see yourself clearly. And, and if you keep doing this in little ways, it's like just chipping away at yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, like feeding that stream, right? Feeding um, the beliefs. Feeding the beliefs, feeding the beliefs. So much, and we, we talked about this earlier, so much of our society is um, giving us these messages, um, you know, however you feel about capitalism, right? This, this less than feeling, right? I need, I need more, I need more, or I need to be more, which feeds that scarcity, which then just separates us from um, really these capacities for abundance, these capacities, these, um, thought streams that are more of connection, love, abundance, these qualities or attributes of mind that um, may not feel familiar and may not be the ones that we nourish. You know, there, I, you remember that um, Saturday Night Live uh, skit where, you know, I think Stuart Smalley, and he's you know sitting in front of the mirror. I don't know if you remember that. Show. I don't remember that one. And giving himself affirmation, um, you know, you're you're good enough. You're, you know, how it sounds horny, and it is. And also, you know, what if that was happening at the same volume um, and measure as some of this other less than stuff? Yeah. How often are we checking our own mental diet, um, our own, uh, you know, what it, what it is that we actually walk into our, our days with in terms of our own mindset. Um, so, you know, my personal practice of, of really getting my mind right, um, which truly aligns with um, a place that feels more grounded in spirit, more grounded in wholeness, that is, uh, that is how I start to move out into my day. And it just, you know, it's like um, when I was pregnant, everywhere I looked, everyone was pregnant. 
Or when I was shopping for my car, you know, and I was looking at a particular model of car, it was all I saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, what are we looking for? What are, is, is certainly one of it, but as we begin to see more abundance, as we begin to see more of the, that which keeps us um, in relationship to others, um, in connection to others, uh, this kinship I was talking about, um, then um, the, the less amplified, the less loud some of this other stuff becomes, just because we're gaining more familiarity with it. Yeah, and with that comes strength. And, you know, you, I love that analogy is like, okay, when you're pregnant, everyone else is pregnant, you know, and we, you know, when you're in a particular set mindset of awareness, you're going to start to see more of that. And so when, for, for me personally, when I started to pay attention to what I was saying and thinking, I was like, oh, it was mind blowing because I was like, oh my gosh, I am such a negative person. I didn't realize how harmful my language was until I started to pay attention to it. And then I had a little moment of depression because I was like, oh my gosh, this is awful. No wonder what I have in my life is not reflective of what I deeply desire. And so it took a lot of awareness to clean up the languaging and it's still a daily thing because it's very easy to turn on the television or go out and, and, and listen to other people's dialogues who are not as, you know, who aren't doing this practice and be, and you can feel that pull back to some old habitual patterns of thinking. So it really has to be this consistency around, okay, what, what are my thoughts? Um, because my thoughts are going to lead to the, how I feel and how I'm, what I'm going to speak. And then my actions are going to reflect that. So I love how you've brought that in that, okay, if we just start to change our awareness and stay with it, then what we're going to become more and more aware of is the abundance. Once that becomes strengthened and stronger than the habit of looking towards what is wrong or um, the critical thinking or, you know, everything is awful in this world and therefore everything will always be awful in this world. So um, thank you for sharing that. That was amazing. And um, so I know you have some amazing tools that are incredibly powerful from your lineage that enables us to actually start to strengthen um, our resolve and help strengthen and bring us back into wholeness. Um, And what I love is that it's much simpler than people think that it is, but it does take some um, consistency. I'm sure you'll share with us, but we do have to go to our second break, our last break of the show. Um, So when we come back, I'd love for you to share with us a very powerful tool that you've um, used to help, you know, bring yourself back into wholeness and to reframe how you think about yourself and others and the world around you. So with that, don't go anywhere. And we'll be right back with Stephanie G. Berea. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, 
You awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv slash goddess to sign up today. Connect with us and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We are honored to be having a conversation with Stephanie G. Berea on the power of language. And if you were with us um, for the first portion of the show, we were talking about the power of language and how it can create this sense of separation or unity. Um, and Stephanie is, is now going to share with us a very powerful practice from her, her lineage of yoga and meditation that will actually help us to dissolve some of those, that separation that we feel from our own wholeness. So Stephanie, I'm very excited about this portion, this portion. Yeah, thanks. So I, uh, I'd love to share with you today uh, a little bit about this practice of um, mantra or chanting. And, and we're going to work with Sanskrit, which is, you know, this ancient language that um, some of you may be familiar with um, from maybe um, going to a yoga class, um, you may have chanted OM before or heard it before. Um, some of you may be familiar with different mantras or sacred language in, in, in other um, modalities, including in English, you know, there's certainly mantras um, in, in that way. Oh, before we dive, well, that brings up a really um, important question I have for those that are not familiar with mantra practice. So one, can you tell us what mantra is and what is the difference between a mantra and an affirmation and the difference between saying it in English versus say, for example, this sacred language of Sanskrit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One yeah. better than the other? <laughs> <laughs> No, we, I'm know, not setting you up. I swear. These days, all the healing tools need to be used. So I won't go better than less or less than. But I will say this: um, that that uh, Sanskrit is a uh, is a spirit language. Sanskrit is uh, a language in which the actual sound that you're making, the vibrational resonance that you're creating whether you're chanting out loud or you're doing it more subtly in a silent 
you know, just repeating it silently for yourself. Maybe you're, maybe you're not someone who wants to chant it out loud or you're not in a space where you can, but just even that recalling, which brings again, that level of thought back into someplace different. Spirit language is uh, recognized as, as that vibrational resonance that brings us directly in line with divinity, whatever mm. that divinity is for you, the universe, spirit, goddess, God, um, this, uh, this essence that is wholeness, this essence um, that allows us to feel as though we are connected to something larger than just our little individual selves, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's, that's the beauty of um, spirit language. And so in some ways, you don't really need to quote unquote know what you're um, chanting, if it seems unfamiliar, the sound, the, the word um, seems unfamiliar in Sanskrit, it's about the sound. So if, you know, we, we see sound healing show up in so many different ways these days, whether it's with singing bowls, um, you know, if you've ever even turned on music to help you change your mood or your emotion, this is a really similar kind of practice. The idea is that we're doing it for ourselves on a cellular level. We're waking up and our cells are experiencing that vibratory resonance as nourishment, as- And so um, there's a part of yourself that knows already. You may not logically know what the translation is, but there is a part of you at a cellular soul level that does know and does remember because the, the just the vibration itself is activating you in a way that raises your frequency to that level of that mantra and what that mantra means. And so there you might not logically know, but in chanting it, you can actually feel the knowing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, you know, mantra is often described as self revealing. So sometimes it's, it's uh, a beautiful practice to be with it and, and to see how it, how it's moving through you, right? Um, It might, you might be experiencing abundance. You might be experiencing prosperity in your life in a very different way than I am, right? Um, And and so there is also a personal relationship, yeah, that begins to develop with you and this certain um, vibration. And I love that because sometimes when, you're told what something means, then you're trying to, whatever your definition of that is, you're trying to achieve it. And so maybe it's even better not to know what the translation is so that you can actually just feel into it and experience it and know it for yourself um, without having the mind trying to reach for something. Yeah. Yeah. Now the word mantra, um, it comes from two roots, the root manas, which means mind, the mind, and tra, which is often um, translated as um, to protect, protection, weaving protection for your mind. I love that because some people translate it as tool. Um, I love protection more because it feels not like you're doing something. You're not using it to do something. Right. I mean, you kind of are, but you know. It feels like when you say tool, that's like, oh, I have to do some work now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's protection for our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, the the injury that we would otherwise cause to our minds. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And it's not so much that we're trying to like block or like keep out, you know, or just even destroy that which we don't want in our minds. All the it we might transform it, but really like think about mantra as this way to nourish, this way to affirm, this way to reinforce or amplify the qualities of mind that we want to cultivate within ourselves and that we want to keep safe. You know, I this, this feeling that I belong naturally in myself and in this um, larger community and world is something I want to protect. I don't want to lose that anymore. <laughs> I lived for decades with the not belonging. You know, what is it like to really tenderly cultivate? Um, and it's great that it's, you know, the beginning of summer because we can see that tenderness, this like new way of holding ourselves, our minds, um, these qualities and attributes of mind um, within ourselves. So simply by you know, chanting this spirit language, we are strengthening the qualities of the mind that we really want to cultivate so that when we think about ourselves or we think about other people, those qualities are coming more forward instead of the conditioning and the degrading thoughts and behaviors that we've had once become accustomed to. This is what we are becoming more accustomed to when we chant. Mm, mm, Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I am not a trained vocalist. I am not (laughs) anyone. I am not a Sanskrit scholar. I am a practitioner. I'm a student. um, And, and, and truly share my practice because it has been both healing and transformative for, for me and how it is that I move through the world. Well, for someone who is not a trained vocalist or a Sanskrit scholar, I have to say that I am so impressed. Um, if you go to her, um, her, was it igniting protection on Spotify? It's just beautiful. The mantras that you have. And, um, I love listening to them and they actually, because your voice is much prettier than mine, I find. So I've listened to that and your pronunciation is better than mine, but I'm working on that. Um, so it's really been a great um, tool for me to feel connected to these mantras. So what mantra do you have for us today that you want to share? Yeah, I would love to share what's called a, a seed uh, mantra or a bija mantra is, is what it's called. And it's a seed in the way that you can uh, experience um, it all in a very small package, right? So we we can, um, and I certainly do, chant um, longer recitations and, um, and longer mantras. This is a very small, very potent package. Um, and it's a bija mantra called cream. And it's it's the sound ha, which is uh, the sound of of, uh, the life force space, right? Ha. It's the ra, ra, fire, right? Fire within us, that self-lit light. And it's 
im, which is uh, the that goddess energy, this um, more feminine idea of um, dynamic energy. So we're moving the energy, sorry. It's not just a static thing. It's moving through us as space, as light, as life force um, within us. And that theme is uh, often described as this divine energy at the heart, where we know um, that uh, prosperity and wholeness and abundance um, really feels potent. So this theme, we can chant it out loud. We can chant it silently. So just hearing it, I like to hear it on my breath. It's a way to connect my breathing with my mindset, which is really, you know, what we try to do when we're doing any kind of meditative practice. Mm-hmm. And I love to do this in nature, in a place where I can really see and experience um, uh, the, the the abundance of the natural world. Um, I, I like to do that as well. Yeah, I love how this mantra holds within it, you know, space and fire and this activating power of the divine feminine, all, all in one little word, one little Sanskrit word, yet it's so powerful. So we oftentimes want something really big to think that we need something big, but this is something small and beautiful and powerful and easy to pronounce that we can just plant right into our hearts um, and allow it to do the work for us, which I really love. Um, so I love also that Stephanie has prepared uh, a tutorial and a mantra practice for anyone um, based on this beautiful Bija mantra. And so what I'm going to do is I want to link it to our YouTube channel and to our Facebook group, Women Thriving Unapologetically. And also, if you want to reach out to Stephanie for this link, she can be reached at stephaniegberea.com. Um, so that you actually can listen to it because it's, um, it's about a 10 minute tutorial, but a very, but a shorter practice in there as well. And it's linked to the breath too. So me personally, I've been working with this actually recently. Um, and it's been really, really powerful and a beautiful, um, way for me to feel calm and centered and really deeply connected to what I can't see, but I can actually feel and um, so I hope everyone that's listening will go to Stephanie's website, Stephanie G. Berea, and see all the amazing things that she's doing, including the Her Festival, which I highly recommend, and go into the link that I will share with everyone in our groups so that you can experience this incredibly potent practice. Um, and I can't believe we're already at time, Steph. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, we could talk about this stuff forever. But I so appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your experiences and how if we start to become more aware of our languaging and, and do simple practices, we can start to recondition our way of being, thinking, speaking, and how to ourselves and others. And that will ripple out into our communities and that will help us see the bigger change in the world that we want. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're so amazing. Um, And you've been listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. And we are here every Thursday at 10 a.m. 
Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific. So we look forward to having you here next week. And until then, many, many blessings, my friends. Thank you, Lindsay. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.